Good day. This is Pearls and Swine Site. I'm Kelly Daynert. I'm going to be sharing the last of a three-part series on a couple women who were sexually abused as youth as well as adults, their families, and the church's response to them. I'm hoping that you have the same horrified response as I had to uh, her telling of it. I want you to remember that uh, there are topics in this about sexual assault, domestic violence, stalking, physical violence, and spiritual abuse. And so this this uh, uh, certainly has triggers for some of you out there. So take that into consideration. Let's begin. As a pastor's daughter, I was always expected to be a bigger person. Mia told me that. She is a tough girl. She has been through a whole lot in her life. A turning point for her was when she was sexually molested by a son of a deacon in her church at 10 years old. Her father was an associate pastor, and he and her mom noted her change in behavior after that but knew nothing about the assault. There was something dirty about that horrible experience, but, but Mia saw it as her own rather than the perpetrator's sin. She just couldn't bring herself to share it with her parents or others in the church, so it stayed hidden for years. She went through two more horrendous experiences of violence, forcefully sexually molested a short time after and then raped by a young uh, by a youth pastor and his friend when she was 14 years old like many who have been sexually assaulted mia took it on herself and did not share her story for many years there were more than the usual reasons for her to remain silent about these horrible sins that were not her fault at all She was raised in an unsafe church environment. As I listened to her story, I was overwhelmed with sadness and anger and disappointment as I heard the litany of reasons why Mia has left the church. But to be clear, she has not left Jesus, just the church. The bride of Christ was horribly, has horribly added to her suffering And she cannot even enter a church without a raised heart rate and breaking out in a sweat. At one point in our conversation, she apologized to me, knowing that I am a leader in the church, but I could only shake my head and commiserate with her. I know that many have experienced the kind of oppressive behavior Mia has in the church. Her story is for leaders who want to make church a safe place for those who have sinned and have been sinned against in often the most egregious ways. Church leadership, elders, deacons, Sunday school teachers, etc., are called by the Lord, like everyone else, to be a solace to the vulnerable among us. As was written in a blog that I shared earlier, Mia went to the elders in her church 
believing that this was what a congregant member should do when struggling in their marriage. Though she didn't know it at the time, she went to them. Her husband had been having an affair for several years, and his paramour was pregnant with his child. When she approached the elders, she shared openly her stories of sexual abuse as well. She also shared the sinful life that she had lived during her teen years following those assaults. Mia had abused alcohol and drugs and had an abortion when she was 16. She explained that it was about two years before coming to the elders that she had really dealt with her abortion. Mia shared that when she had her first child, she felt shame, believing that she should have been judged by God and should not have been allowed to get pregnant again. She believes that this attitude came from the pharisaical teaching of her childhood church. She was still living with this kind of self-loathing, despite knowing Jesus' forgiveness when she came to the elders. Rather than consider the incredible violations of Mia as an image bearer when men used her body so wickedly, one of the elders, we'll call him Sam, wanted her to know she was still dealing with consequences. It did not appear that he had any concern for the forgiveness she was promised in Christ. He couldn't get beyond her long-ago sin in order to focus on the healing and help she needed in her marriage and from the after-effects of sexual assaults. Mia explained that Sam said she was a horrible sinner and needed to deal with this. She went on, I had created a godly family with my husband, but Sam had to go back and pound on those times. Those times for which Jesus had already forgiven her. As Mia explained, he was never kind. He never said, we will get through this. Mia said that he is such a prideful man, convinced he is an amazing person. As explained in the earlier blog about her family, Mia suffered under a leadership that was more concerned about following their church rules than the love of Christ. Instead of responding to her hurt and trauma, they had to protect their own at all costs when she challenged Sam's shepherding. They have never really held Sam accountable for his failure to shepherd Mia as Christ has called his elders to shepherd. So what has Mia learned from her church leadership? She learned that she had to leave the church to find healing. At one point, when I asked what was most helpful for her healing, she said, to be free from the church. She explained, separating from the church took away their power. She had been raised to respect and honor the authority church leaders have been given by Christ, but that power had been misused for their self-gratification and entitlement. Their Phariseeism and failure to love and serve God's people, to which Christ calls his leaders, destroyed that respect that she had. She said, It is so sad that non-Christians' friends are way more understanding. 
They don't judge you that you didn't come to Sunday school for two weeks. However, she has found some healing from those who take Jesus' calling seriously. She described being dragged to an organization called Journey to Heal Ministries when she was still bitter and angry. When she was introduced in the meeting, she said, I would not lie about my life anymore. She expected a response like she had received in her church, but the response was so different. She explained to me, they said, we are so happy to have you here. I wrote my story and was apologizing like crazy, and they told me, it is not your fault. It was the first time I had heard that from Christians. It was the most healing from my sexual abuse. The spiritual abuse continues to gnaw at her soul. But she said, my dad is very important. He says, it's okay to be where you're at. She continued, in the old days, it was discipline until you get to where you need to be. But now it's okay to struggle. I am not kept in an arm's distance from my parents. When leaders lie to you, you have to question. Her parents are okay with that now. Mia has remarried a good man and hopes her story can help others trapped in legalistic and uncaring church environments. What are some takeaways? I am I'm praying that church leaders who hear Mia's story will recognize their own tendencies of self-protection and failure to extend grace to those who bear their souls before them. Jesus covers the sins of these hurting lambs, and those sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Why do we as leaders need to remember them? And when it comes to those who have been horribly sinned against, like in Mia's case, look to the Good Shepherd. Learn from him. He says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. That is in Isaiah 42.3. Thanks for being with me today. 